and welcome to the Novel Traveller podcast. My name is Michelle Walsh-Jackson and I'm the Novel Traveller. Well, after that tune, my next guest doesn't really need an introduction, but it is, of course, the wonderful John Sheehan, musician and poet, who joins me this week. We have a very special chat about his travels with Lou Kelly, Ronnie Drew and the Dubliners over their epic career. He also let me into the background to his new album and poetry book. I'll also this week be speaking to Michelle Whelan at the end of the podcast, who has announced the launch of the new Discover Boyne Valley website. She's some great suggestions for things to do in the Boyne Valley region this summer. But for now, sit back and be carried away with this remarkable storyteller and giant of Irish music. It is the great John Sheehan. Well, with me today, I'm delighted to say I have the the probably the best known musician we have in Ireland at the moment, John Sheehan. Um, certainly you have had the most remarkable career, John, with the Dubliners and now with yourself, with your own fabulous new album um, and, and poetry as well. A lot of people might realise you're a poet. Mm-hmm. So I'm so looking forward to talking to, to you today about your travels. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Nice to be, nice to be chatting. It's lovely to be chatting. And, you know, when I usually start with people, I ask them, do they have a travel memento or do they have a favourite thing that they um, collected from their, their, their journeys or that they brought back from a place <laughs> with them? Is there anything yeah. particularly from your travels that you have? I have something very, very special and there's a nice story attached to it as well. I was in Lisbon Airport about that might have been 15 years ago or so. And just the usual carry on waiting for the luggage to come in on the conveyor belt. And this, this man tapped me on the shoulder and he said, excuse me, are you John Sheehan of the Dubliners? Dubliners. And then he said, you changed my life. And I said, oh, my God, I hope this for the better. So he went on to explain that he was living a few years before that in Copenhagen and he was playing classical music as a hobby. And he said, I came to the Dubner's first concert in the Tivoli Gardens in Copenhagen. And uh, when I heard you playing the fiddle, I, I said to myself, this is the music I want to play, not classical music. So he started uh, going to traditional Irish music sessions and learning jigs and reels on his fiddle. And uh, then he went on to explain that he eventually came to Ireland for a visit, fell in love with the country. And when he retired, he moved over here and, and bought a little house in Kenmare, just outside Kenmare. And uh, as a hobby, he started making fiddles. So he said, uh, for, for, to say thank you for changing my life, I would like to make you a fiddle. So oh it turned, yeah, so it turned out that um, he was going to South America with his wife at that stage, just a connecting flight from Lisbon. And uh, we exchanged uh, emails. And uh, about a month later, I got this email with a picture attached of the, the beginnings of this fiddle being carved out. And uh, about a year later, he sent me various uh, little progressive uh, um, uh, images of, of the fiddle taking place, taking shape. And uh, about a year later, he phoned me, he said, I'm now back in Kenmare and I have your fiddle ready if you'd like to come and 
collected. Oh my so, goodness. Oh. Yeah, so I was in Lestrol at the time with Mary uh, for the Lestrol Writers Week. And uh, we made our way down to Ganmare and we had a great night and he presented me with this, this brand new fiddle that he was after making for me. Oh my uh, God. Which is something very, very special, you know. Not it a certainly is. finished or polished fiddle. Uh, a little bit rough in places, but, but a, a wonderful tone. And yeah. uh, he called it his Guinness fiddle because he put some Guinness powder oh. um, <laughs> into, the, into the varnish mix and it brought up some of the grain, kind of black, black and amber, you know. Oh my goodness, how remarkable. What a fabulous story, John. And isn't it wonderful the effect music can have on people? Yeah. You know, yeah, across exactly. continents, across countries, you know. That's it's, right, it's... yeah. This man's name was Martin Kraut. And sadly, he, he died in 19 or 2017. I got word that he died. So I went down, Mary myself made her way down to Canmare for the, for the funeral. And uh, it was a typical Irish funeral. He was laid out in the, in the, in the house. And there was loads of local musicians there because he became a kind of, a, even though he was an outsider, he was German, he became a kind of a catalyst for getting the local traditional musicians together. And uh, so we had a, a concert around the, around the room where he was uh, laid out. And oh, then uh, we went to the funeral and uh, I, saw, I was asked to say a few words at, at the funeral, I said a few words of how I met him and the present, presentation of the fiddle. And then I played a lament on his very own fiddle that he'd made for me, which brought everything. Oh, like, that must have been very emotional. I can't it imagine. Was, it really yes. was. It brought the whole, the whole event full circle, if you like. So that, that, was, that was one of the best stories I think I have. Of, oh, well, well, that is a very, very special memento. My goodness. Just, just from meeting someone on your travels like that, he would have probably never had the, the courage probably to approach you had he not just bumped into you That's in Lisbon right. Airport. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, he said it, um, that you, you know, change, you change my life, and he said it in a very, very dramatic kind of way. You change my life. I, I, <laughs> I do, I do believe there is no such thing as a coincidence, John. I do believe, and you must feel that having had so much travels and met so many people over your life, you meet who you're meant to meet, don't you? And That's right. It's yeah, incredible yeah. Um, the connections we make. You know, mm-hmm. travel, and and actually um, speaking about a Scandinavian man, you, you've you've brought to mind um, a track from your new album, Flirting Fiddles, which I love very much, because um, it's it's so pleasurable to have it on in the background while you're there going about cleaning your house and doing your jobs. It's just <laughs> lovely. It really takes you away. But but uh, I particularly like the song Farewell to Harstad, and and you have a story uh, about that. Well, Harstad, yeah, Harstad is a little town up in the very north of Norway. Not quite as north as Nor Norcap, I think, is the furthest up, the most northerly town. But this is not not too far down the coast from there. Uh, a beautiful place, but I was really taken by the beauty of the the surroundings as I entered Harstad for the first time. And this tune came into my head, and um, it had a lament, kind of a sorrowful feeling about it, even though it was a joyous occasion going to this place for the first time. But I realized that I was going to miss the place when I left a couple of days later. Oh. So I actually wrote this farewell tune as I was entering the... the oh, the my goodness. Oh, oh, wow. That's a very spiritual experience. That was like the creative consciousness nearly reaching you, you know, before you got there. You were really connecting with the place. That's right. And it was a, an amazing experience because uh, right in the middle of June and 
it was actually the 21st, 24th of June, I think we were there. And uh, the midnight sun, of course, kept me awake all night. I, I just, I had this amazing energy from the light that I just couldn't sleep for a couple of days. Mm -hmm. But I, I remember going out onto the coastline, just uh, coming up to midnight and uh, the sun was setting, but it barely kissed the water when it started rising again. And it was the, the most amazing experience, you know? There was no, there was no proper sunset, as it were. It just barely touched the water, and and wow. and you suddenly realise it's rising again. It's rising, it fantastic! Yeah. Oh, how beautiful! And um, so yeah. it was probably too bright to see the northern lights then that time of year, was it? Um, uh, I I, I, yeah, I did experience the northern lights um, a little bit further into the into the winter, but then down down a little bit further south, which is an amazing experience as well. But what a display of nature! Yes, no, I, I can imagine. I can just imagine you being inspired to write poetry or, or a song while you're looking at it, because uh, it, I've only seen it from from an aircraft. I've never actually I, I, I tried desperately when I was in Iceland a few years oh, back, yeah. but I hope to get there and see them at some stage. But, yeah, um, it's, yeah. It's a, it is a really experience, a spiritual experience, I suppose, all right. Yeah. yeah. yeah and, and you, but. But back to your early travels, perhaps even before you were in the Dubliners, what um, would be your early travel memory? Well, um, family holidays, I suppose. Uh, my mother and father came from Limerick, uh, rural area, a uh, place called Arda, where the Arda chalice was found. My mother came oh. from Arda, a small farming community there. And uh, as kids, as soon as the school holidays had come up in, in June, we'd all ramble down to Arda and spend a couple of months down there. And of course, it was such a contrast to city living, you know. The first thing we did was threw off our shoes and ran around barefoot. This was such a, such a novelty. And uh, got involved in some of the little chores around the farm, you know, going out, helping in the meadow, saving hay, and back to the bog cutting turf. And I even learned how to milk a cow when I was down there. <laughs> And, you know, I think I think yeah. I think we're very lucky. Those of us, I mean, my father's from Wexford and, and, and it used to be they used to say the definition of a Dubliner is a countryman's son or a countryman's daughter. <laughs> yeah. you know, like, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I think if you have a connection to the countryside and you've been privileged like I have and you and you to go mm. back to a farm and learn to milk a cow. I mean, what, a, what a, an experience that is kind of, pe young, young people are deprived of that nowadays, you know? Yeah, and, and it, it was such an air of self-sufficiency where, where everything was provided that very little shopping could be done, except for clothes maybe, but they had the cows and they had the milk from the cows and they had hens and eggs and grew all their own vegetables. And it was a, a wonderful uh, experience uh, uh, a healthy lifestyle, a healthy lifestyle that perhaps some are, are yearning for now in a way, you know, it's a healthy, a healthy lifestyle that perhaps some well, are yearning for now. You know? uh, we, we liked it so much. We were really lonely leaving the place every year to come back to, to Dublin. But it was, um, yeah, it was a wonderful experience. I remember uh, on one year, I think it's around 1945. I was only a, I was only six or seven anyway at the time. But there was a teacher strike in Dublin. And uh, my mother and father, when you think of it now, they're so casual, they said, Asher, no point in them coming back after the holidays now. The schools are closed. There's a teacher strike on. Sure, let them go to school here for a while. And I stayed for about six months, nearly a year, <laughs> living with me, my Auntie Peggy and my Uncle Jimmy. And 
Oh, how lovely. Oh, that, that, yeah. that's, that's so, and you know, you write beautifully about the um, uh, Irish landscape in your, in your book, um, Fiddle Dreams, which is your new poetry book. And, and I picked yeah. out a poem about Connemara and um, it, it's so, it's so st- simple and it's so structured. It reminds me of uh, kind of, you, you've put manners nearly on Connemara, you know, as a landscape, yeah. you've put it into beautiful words um i i don't know if you have the book beside you if, if you want I to, have it here. to what, what page is it on it's on page 88 yeah i'll have a go at reading i haven't read that one for for ages um but it, it's very evocative and it really conjures up the connemara landscape connemara stone clad rock strewn barren landscape facing western sea and sky windswept bogland lake and rock pool shifting cloud and lambent light. Yellow furs and purple heather, mantle of ever-changing hue, mountain palettes of green and brown, challenging art to match your mood. Cradling still your ancient culture, haunting sound of Gaelic tongue, hovering on the twilight air, your lonely tunes and shadow song. Aloof and proud and yet alluring, cold of stone, yet warm of heart, native talk with new tones blending, embracing change, yet worlds apart. Oh, that, that, oh, thank you, John. That just really touched me. It's beautiful to hear you read it because <laughs> I, as I love Connemara. I really feel the ruggedness and that authentic Irishness that, 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 that you get. Maybe there's a romanticism from memories of Gale Talk days or, you know, spending summers down there. But I do think Connemara is a very special place. Uh, very special place. Otherworldly almost, isn't it, in a way? Yeah. It really is. And I mean, you know, we've packaged Ireland up beautifully with the Wild Atlantic Way. And but 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 to, to step back and to kind of just breathe it in, you know, you can yeah, do it yeah. through through a poem like that. It was beautiful. It's a timeless kind of an area and the light keeps changing. You get four seasons every day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking of paintings like Paul Henry's paintings, you know, that that really capture those m- beautiful large cumulus nimbus clouds that are just bellowing yeah. like smoke out of the cottages you know it's just it, it's such a beautiful part of the country and yeah we go down there nearly every year down to clifton for the clifton arts festival the end of september and uh, oh. that's that's one of our that's one of our regular trips away uh, nowadays in our later years yeah, oh, oh, that's lovely. And yeah. you know, John, when you started um, traveling with the Dubliners, wh- wh- what places did you go to? And have you any? But I'm sure you've loads of tales. <laughs> uh, but but you know, any particular ones that that stand out about the early um, days when you started? Dubrovnik, Iceland, Faroe Islands, Australia, New Zealand, Denmark, uh, Norway, Slovenia, Hamburg, all over the place, all the, all the European countries. Um, Faroe Islands, that was an unusual one. Yeah, that's that was, way up north of Scotland, isn't it? That's, that's right, between Scotland and Iceland, up, the, up that way in the North Atlantic. Uh, that was one of the places Tim Severn uh, stopped in on, a, on his tra- Atlantic trip and the letter boat to St. Brendan, St. Brendan voyage. Uh, a fairly barren place, not, not very much. To, well, the, the, the scenery is breathtaking, of course, but very very rugged, not very much luxury as such, but an experience again. Yeah. Um, Denmark, the Tivoli Gardens, 
Condor Festival. And what's it like to play the Tivoli? I mean, the Tivoli Gardens is, uh, you know, it's a very famous um, venue and, you know, it must be just magical to bring your music, you know, to, or your culture to another country. The way yeah, our first trip to Denmark, I think, I think it was 19, 1972, sometime around that. And uh, we'd been just beginning to get popular in Europe, but it was as if the audience knew us already. We, we, we used to be beamed out from Radio Caroline back in the, in the late 60s. It's when we had seven drunken nights in the chart. <laughs> we became quite, quite known uh, all over yeah. all over northern Europe because of that, you know. And there was a great air of expectation when when we went to places like Copenhagen, where the audience had been waiting for a few years for us to come. And at last, at last, the messiahs had arrived. Uh, I can imagine the excitement. Yeah, it must have been amazing. And you, yeah. you know, I, I find it really, really funny because although I've only only met you in, in the last few years, ten or fifteen years or so, John. You know, I remember Barney all my life because he lived down the road from my granny. And I, oh, yeah, I, I, I always, yeah, Church Street and Hoth, and uh, you know. Uh, Seeing Barney with a banjo, I, I used to see him more with kind of a, a fishing, a lobster pot or a fishing net, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's right. so he loved that. Yeah, he loved his bit of fishing. And uh, he, um, used be given, he used to be given out to me for taking too many gigs in the summer. He wanted to go fishing, you know. <laughs> he said to me one time, I want two months off in August to go fishing. Two months off in August. <laughs> There's a, there's a Bernieism here. <laughs> oh, that is brilliant. And, and you know, I just have to throw back to, to your to your poetry because there is one there is one that stood out for me, um, and it's Ronnie's Heaven, and it is it is a great poem. It's quite a long poem, but it's <laughs> it, it, it's full of the character, and I can imagine the crack you guys had constantly as you travelled around together and oh, making yeah. your music. And um, you know, the last stanza um, is really funny, uh, leaving behind the three. Great imponderables that tortured you. What is life? What is art? And where the fuck is Barney? Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> that, that, was a, that was always the question. Where the fuck is Barney? <laughs> Be doing an eight o'clock concert and about five to eight, Barney go off looking for hamburgers or something. <laughs> no idea of time at all. And uh, that was that was always Ronnie's out going, where the fuck is Barney? He's always missing when he well, should have well, been there. Well, do you know, I have actually a funny tale to tell about Ronnie because you guys were playing. Yeah, I don't know if you know this, John, but you were playing in Waterford and my dad is an ex-cop and he and his brother were traveling down to Wexford and Ronnie was looking for a lift. Now, I don't know where they found Ronnie or met him, but they said, we'll get you down to Wexford. He said, well, if I get to Wexford, it's close enough to Waterford. And I <laughs> yeah. believe the drive took them something like eight hours because there was a little bit of stopping off on the way. <laughs> and my dad and his brother had such fun. They ended up going to Waterford as well. And, and Bringing, bringing Ronnie to the stage <laughs> and uh, he said my dad had a fantastic night with you guys and I'm sure there are so many people listening to this who have, who have relatives or friends or maybe themselves ended up um, having great nights uh, yeah there was one time that reminds me of a story where leaving O'Donoghue's back in the very early days before I actually joined I heard the story afterwards and Kieran McMahona uh, he was taking three or four of the lads in his car uh, a Beetle, a Volkswagen Beetle, down to a flag hole in Newcastle West. So they all teamed out about Donahue's into Kieran McMahon's Volkswagen anyway. 
And as he was taken off, he said, no stopping now, lads, till we get past Parkgate Street. Parkgate Street? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just priceless. I really, yeah. but, you know, it was a different time, different characters, a different world, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. very fortunate to have heard heard you heard you play um, back in 1986 when you when you played out here at the the festival, and um, of course I've heard your fabulous concerts down in the Abbey Tavern since, especially oh, yes, your yes. one for 80th birthday uh, where you played there. Oh, you were so, at that, uh, yeah. And you know that was my birthday, John. So thanks very much for giving me a lovely night out for my birthday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That, that, yeah, that's that what I did. Night. That was a great night. That was great. So, have was you? That any... night we had Richie, Richie Buckley with us. Um, Richie, the, I think, oh, no, I think no, no, you had Michael with you and um, Howard, his wife. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Um, another one. But you know, have you had any um, disastrous travel experiences? Uh, you know, where things have oh, gone wrong. We, we were in a serious enough crash one time in in, in Norway. Uh, we had a, an accident with a tractor. He, he indicated he was turning left, but he actually turned right. And we had a serious collision with this, this tractor. The, the tractor driver wasn't injured, but we, we went off the road, capsized and slid down this ravine heading for a, a fjord. And uh, luckily got stopped by a tree and uh, on the roof of the car. And we all, we all eventually scrambled out. I had a bit of a cut in the head. And, no, no serious injuries, but we, we didn't make the gig that night. But we did for the for the next night. We had to go to a clinic and get a few stitches. Oh my but God, uh, that must have been terrifying. It was yeah, a, a serious, serious enough. Uh, could have been a lot worse, of course. We could have ended up in the bloody fjord and got drowned, you know. And so yeah, gosh, so the tree was just in the right place to stop you. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. yeah oh, a few wow. hairy ones like that. A few, a few hairy ones on flights as well. But tires bursting and landing and, and that kind of thing oh, really? would you have traveled yeah would you have traveled in on smaller aircraft or oh, indeed we traveling? did yeah actually when we went up to the Faroe Islands that time we, we hired out a, a small aircraft from Dublin airport uh, Iona Airways was this small private company I remember Iona well I knew I knew yeah. Yeah. yeah so it was either a matter of flying from Dublin to Copenhagen and then another flight up to Glasgow and then up on to the Faroe Islands. But we, we decided the handiest way was to get Iona on the job. It's a little six or eight seater plane, mm. but uh, it was a, a bit of an adventure. But uh, Yes. So, um, but generally, did you ever kind of have a bus that brought you around or anything like that? Or would you? Well, in, in Germany now, in Holland, we, we had a, a proper touring bus with, with sleepers and everything and five or six beds if you fancy mm. having a bit of a sleep. If you were up late the night before, which was mm. most nights. <laughs> and and did, uh, yeah. did you get, get to see much while you were traveling or would you have been really just working? Uh, you, saw, you saw a lot of airports and mm. vineyards and concert halls and city churches and spires and those kind of fleeting images, you know, no matter where you go. But I remember we're passing this huge vineyard one day and Barney says to Luke, hey, Luke, have a look up there. There's a lot of hang hangovers hanging growing up there. <laughs> <laughs> hangovers growing <laughs> off the vines yeah. and, and what about with yourself and Mary now for for holidays um what, where would you like to go where would be top of your bucket list uh we, we used to go to London regularly enough and, and spend a few days going to theaters and shows and that kind of thing good good restaurants 
And um, but there was one one there was one year I think it was our thirteenth wedding anniversary. I told her we had arranged this this um, trip to London for a few days. Now the kids were behind the planning of it. We were actually going to Bermuda, but but she but she didn't know that. Oh, fantastic! So uh, the kids she was she packed her her case for winter clothes going to London. Uh, but the kids, meanwhile, because they were part of the whole the whole secret going on in the oh. background, they oh. got the case and repacked summer stuff in, in into it for Bermuda. So she she began to be suspect there was something going on. We arrived in London and said, where, where are we going now? You're bringing me to another terminal. And I said, a little surprise. We have another little trip. So she deliberately didn't look at any signs or oh. they indicate where we might be going. She she seemed to get into the spirit of the secret of the whole thing. So she didn't know where we were going until the pilot announced, as we were taking off, said, welcome on this, uh, welcome aboard on this flight to Bermuda. And she, oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is so lovely. Oh, you're very romantic, John, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How lovely. How yes, lovely we had a lovely, another, another world over, over there. Uh, and it's like going back a century, you know, no cars or traffic, no pollution. I think we ended up hiring out little mopeds or scooters to get around the island, you know, but you'd get around the island in a day if you wanted to, you know. And isn't there but special then, caves there, crystal caves or something? That's yeah. right, yeah. We went to visit those two and uh, we stayed in a very nice hotel and people were so so courteous and polite and old-worldly in, in a way and it was a Total, total relaxation holiday for us, you know. Oh, oh yeah, lovely. Yeah, we did it for 10 days. But that was, that was our flight to Bermuda, or our oh, trip to Bermuda, rather. Wow. I must, I must ask Siobhan about that, you know, because, you know, I'm such a good pal with your daughter, and, and she's such a wonderful <laughs> soul. I mean, I was telling you how much I miss her. She has this wonderful Sunbeam uh, clinic where she does Reiki and holistic treatments. And, mm. you know, we're really missing people uh, like that at the moment. Yeah, yeah, she was behind the the the, 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 <laughs> the case packing for for that. <laughs> I'd say she was just as excited packing the case as as Mary was <laughs> when she got there. I could just have right, yeah. <laughs> Oh, how we lovely! Another place we went in over the last few years uh, was Venice. We'd never actually been to Venice, or I'd never played there, but we went there for a week, which the kids organised for us as well, and. St. Mark's Square, we had a beautiful luxury hotel at the end of St. Mark's Square. I can't remember the name of it now. But again, a very relaxing place to go and no no cars or motorbikes or anything. People walked everywhere. And, and I think you must stay the night in Venice to actually experience Venice because it's so packed with tourists during the day. You do miss that. The, the, the real feel for the city, I think, is at night time mm-hmm. or as the sun sets. Would you think That's that? right. It's a magical and magical atmosphere. It sounds after dusk. Yeah. And the, it's and, like walking through paintings. I often feel with the colours and the moods, you know, and the yes. reflections in the water. You know, um, St. Mark's Square is such a such a magical place with all these different restaurants and little outdoor ca- uh, orchestras outside each one. And they all take it in turn to, to do little mini concerts. You know, I remember when I was there, uh, I just picked up on a couple of notes from one of the tunes that that um, they were playing. And uh, I just I just felt that's a building block for a new melody now that these three or four notes. And each day, I just kept the notes in my head. 
each day I went out, I composed another little bar. And by the end of the week, I had a complete new tune composed just in my head. I never wrote down a note, but when I came home, I got to fiddle out and play this play tune this. for the first time. Oh, I call it Saint Mark's, Saint Mark's Square, a dreamy, jazzy kind of a little tune. Yeah. Oh, 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 gosh! I'll be looking that up now. I'll be looking to listen to that now. Yeah, I haven't because... recorded it yet. But oh no! Oh, it's new. Oh, really? Oh, oh, wow! Yeah. We're, we're we're getting hot off the press, which is great. Yeah. And you must know Paris because um, one of the songs on your new album um, is Autumn in Paris, and it's probably mm-hmm. my favorite song on the album. Uh, is there a story behind it? Uh, it's a funny kind of a story. <laughs> I don't know if it's in the sleeve notes or not, but uh, I actually composed that tune uh, on the way into a Norwegian city, Oslo. I think it might be in Oslo. Uh, and what I was trying to do, it's strange where tunes come from. I have a feeling the tunes are already there and the composer discovers them. It's a great way to put it. I completely understand where you're coming from because I find that in the writing process, I do feel the story is already there and I'm like just a channel taking down the story. And uh, anyway, what I was trying to do in in my head, sitting in the back of a wagon, was uh, to compose a melody or um, a counter melody or a harmony for an existing song. And after a few bars, I suddenly realized the harmony was claiming its own right to be a melody. And that turned out to be Ottoman Paris. And uh, I felt it had a Parisian feel to it. And uh, the autumn bit was associated with a certain sadness at the time. And uh, that's that's where the, the title came from, Ottoman Paris, which was actually written on the way into Oslo, sitting oh, in the back really? of the wagon, yeah. at least it's, the start of it. That's funny because it does conjure up Paris to me it, it, it definitely probably came from there originally and floated you know through yeah. the through the creative consciousness in some way but, uh, what we were saying there about the uh, tunes already existing I, I wrote a haiku you know the haiku poem yeah, yeah. the japanese poem 17 syllables okay. i tried to express that idea in, in a haiku one time and it goes uh, orf- i thought of these uh, notes floating around the air like orphans and a composer's job is to put them into a family, which we call a melody. <laughs> oh, how lovely. So, oh, that's the, a poem as well. <laughs> yeah. So the, the, the haiku I wrote was uh, orphaned notes adrift, winds of inspiration blow, and you tune finds me. Ah, oh, that's it's so simple, but it's yeah, it explains perfectly yeah. your process, doesn't it? it the, yeah. the, the, image, the image across. Yeah. What about, well, you've been on your travels, you know, you you must have come across some strange foods or different types of foods. Is there any particular ones that stand out? Um, yeah, there are certain foods associated with certain places. And when we go back to the, the same place again, we, we would tend to go for the same restaurant or the same experience of food. Um, we played quite a bit in, in Ljubljana and Slovenia. And um, they had a wonderful dish I discovered there. Uh, it was, um, what was it called? Ligna Najaro, I think it was something like that. It's actually squid fried in butter and garlic. And, and oh. the, the squid is so, you, you tend to think of squid as being a bit tough, but this was so tender and, and, and luscious. It was, it was uh, something we went for every time. Ligna Najaro. Then in, in Hamburg, I'd, I'd go for eel soup. Uh, eel open, soup. What's that like? 
Oh, beautiful. Very, very, a little bit salty, very fishy, very fishy, smoky, smoked eel soup, actually. And um, we used to go to a restaurant there in, in Hamburg Harbour when we had a free night and, and uh, great selection of, of fish, every fish you could, you can imagine available there, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, different places, Vienna and Austria, I, 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 I think of garlic soup. <laughs> Knoblauch soup and laced with garlic, you know, chopped up garlic. Um, I used to love that. And they also had a, a dish that didn't sound very inviting, but it was actually beautiful, boiled, boiled beef with, with a special horseradish sauce. Now, boiled beef doesn't sound, you know, but it was yeah. actually whatever way they did it and with this horseradish sauce on it. I oh, probably, yeah. it. Probably if they name. cooked it for a long, long time, I could imagine, you know. Yeah, be... It was gorgeous. It was a very, various quirky little things, <laughs> little things like that in different places, you know. Uh, Vienna was another place we, we, we played in fairly often. We used to do a week's residency in Vienna every every year in the, um, what's the name of the, the, the hall, Little Theatre. Um, and don't... we ended up one time. We became so well known with the with the government and and the, the officials in in the city that they awarded us the freedom of the city honor. How on lovely! One of, our, one of our trips there, yeah, the special presented us with the special trophies and declared us free men oh. of, of Vienna oh. city. And are you allowed to bring your sheep then into it or something, or is this special? Some special? Yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, it wasn't that one of the things about the freedom of Dublin. Yeah, you can graze your sheep in Stephen's Green. Stephen's uh, Green. <laughs> do you have some special? Do you have some special? Um, you know, concessions now in Vienna. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you, you so, all these wonderful different places, you know. And what? Well, now you must have funny tales. Is there any really cracking funny tale from your travels? Uh, um, either, I, uh, either with either with the lads or with your or with your family or yeah there, there was a concert uh, just a funny story involved Luke and, and uh, a great jazz player we were we were playing in uh, Australia on this uh, concert and who came into our concert only Stefan Grappelli the great jazz violinist I must say I was a bit I was a bit nervous playing my fiddle solo that night knowing that he was in the audience. But we met, we met him the next day, Luke and myself. And what he was intrigued about was my tin whistle playing. He was intrigued with the tin whistle. He said, such a simple instrument and the music you can make, it's wonderful. So anyway, uh, we had a nice chat. And that night we were doing a concert and Luke recounted a meeting with Stefan Grappelli. But of course, he distorted, he distorted the whole thing completely. Um, he says, this morning, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we met Stefan Grappelli and I asked him, what did you think of our fiddle player? And Stefan said, oh, he plays the tin whistle so well. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> so he did uh, play the whistle well, but not in that context. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, I'd say, uh, say the slagging was nonstop. Between uh, the it was great. There was great crack. There was another, another night we were in... Uh, a pub in Tipperary, and I was still working in the ESB at the time, so I was always anxious to get home early because I had to be into work the next morning. Of course, there, there was no bother on the last; they didn't care what time we finished. So we're in the pub, we're having one for the road, and one for the road became two and three and four for the road. Anyway, 
I gave a, a I cut the barman's eye at the end of the bar and said, listen, for God's sake, close the bar after the next round. I have to get back to Dublin. So I, I gave him a fiver as a tip. That's a generous enough tip at the time. I'm talking about 40 years ago. Sure. So anyway, uh, the bar didn't close at the next round or the next round. So we were driving home and Ronnie was sitting beside me and I said, Ronnie, he was some chancellor of a barman. I gave him a fiver to close the bar about two hours ago. Says, Ronnie, I knew what you were up to. I gave him a tenner to keep it open. Open? <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, that's that, that's right. I can just picture Ronnie saying that, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, brilliant. That was, that was, there was great camaraderie between us all. It was, oh, yeah. We were like brothers in a family in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That was a bit of crap going on. Ah, yeah, yeah. And and where would be your favorite place then in Ireland to go for um some some rest? Maybe even just yourself and Mary, or with the family, I, or and to go for 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 luxury. Oh, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with luxury. <laughs> I agree. Uh, uh, Dromolan Castle, uh, Ashford, Ashford Castle, the sister castle up in, in Mayo, and uh, Banna Hinch, the Banna Hinch Castle down down in Connemara. Okay. Um, we were there not so long ago, but two years there, a special award I, I got with, with uh, Matt Malloy of the Chieftains. Um, just beside the John Wayne statue there, they have a little circular wall and they have various people's handprints uh, um, in the wall and, and done in bronze, I think. But uh, Matt Malloy of the Chieftains and myself, a couple of years ago, we were invited down. And uh, for the, like, for like the a, hall of a hall of fame, like yeah, a, kind uh, of a hall yeah. of fame. <laughs> and of course, we, we stayed in Ashford Castle and had a wonderful, wonderful night there. Gorgeous. But a bit, bit of luxury when you're away. I think when you're away, either either on holiday or on tour, uh, you shouldn't be expected to stay in a place that has less luxury than your own home. Than your own home, I agree. Yeah, no, no, yeah. absolutely. You're working, you're working, you know. But uh, Ramon, uh, we have a good connection with Ramon. We had two of our daughters' weddings down there over the years, Siobhan and, and Kiola. Mm. And they treated us like royalty. What a wonderful place to go for a few it's, days. It's absolutely, it is gorgeous. T- tell me what else, have you got any travel plans then for when we're able to travel again, is there, where's the first place that you're going to go? At, at, at the moment, at the moment, like, not, yeah. not, not really. I just, I just uh, I'm kind of philosophical. I just uh, take things as they come day by day, you know. Uh, I've been doing a couple of things online. I was playing, there was a guy here with a recording machine and a video camera the other day. Uh, social distancing, of course. Of course, but, uh, yes. Um, at Declan O'Rourke's invitation, Declan has a new album coming out, and he asked. I played fiddle on the official recording, but he was doing. He's doing this virtual concert from the Abbey Theatre, and oh, um, he, he he asked me to join him on this tune. So there's been a, I've been busy enough doing things like that over over the last over the last year. Yeah. Um, writing poetry, I got an invitation to write a poem for a a Tradfest meeting there a couple of months ago which I did. And uh, what else did I do? Poetry Ireland brought out uh, this idea of uh, involving older people to contribute a line of poetry to to a, a, a longer poem, um, which I got a poem-a-thon. Oh, and uh, the idea was to uh, express your feelings about lockdown and COVID and so on. So I was invited to, lie, uh, to write a, an opening line 
And then it did the rounds of various institutions and old people's homes and various writers groups and so on. And then after, I think they got in about 550 lines. And then it came back to me to write a closing line. So I had the honor of oh, opening lovely. it and closing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I think yeah. there's an element of that in it with, with writing it. You've got a, 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 de a deadline to meet. It's going to automatically. Sure. Uh, it does definitely. It, it puts manners on the creative juices. Your group, the Dubliners, is, is so well known. And it, it sums up the place where you're from and you know a quarter of the populations from, from Dublin mm. but you've also two of your pieces particularly I think sum up um, Dublin and you've written you know ballads which I think probably are best known um, traditional pieces with Marina Waltz. Oh, the and, Marina Waltz, yeah, oh, yeah. It's such a beautiful piece. Now, is Siobhan telling me a fairy, uh, the truth here that you were wallpaper in your auntie's house and you got um, distracted <laughs> and you wrote that in the instead? And Siobhan, Siobhan was involved. Siobhan's a good harp player, you know. I don't know if you, if you knew that or not. I do know, and I also know that Siobhan played on Fairy Tale of New York and she plays the That's harp. That's right, she played the harp yeah, on the Pogues. Yeah, I do indeed. Yeah, yeah, but I, I actually wrote that in my mother's house and, and Marino and Siobhan was with me. She was there and uh, I was doing a bit of wallpapering and painting. My mother was away on holidays, so I decided I'd take the opportunity to decorate the place a bit. And Siobhan came in for a cup of tea one night. She was coming from a harp lesson, had the harp with her. And after the cup of tea, I was just doodling on the harp and I played these couple of notes that um, I played. I was trying to play a descending arpeggio do so me do, but not being able to play the harp, I misplayed the fourth note and go, do so me tee. And I thought, oh Jesus, that could be the start of a tune. And that's where the Marina Walls came from. I had it written about half an hour later. That's and fantastic. on Siobhan's harp. So Siobhan was part oh. of the, the whole thing. Of the process. Oh, how lovely. And, and yeah, you've, so you've written... that, that, there's yeah. a good example of a, a tune looking for a composer. You know, I wasn't trying to compose a tune, I was only just doodling on the tune presented itself you know or the, the, the potential for it rather yeah yeah and and it, it's, it's perfect um it's just perfect piece of music from start to finish it's and it's wonderful that it was used in that board Namona ad so that it yes. just reached an even right wider audience and now people from all over the world yeah. love it. that was a unique ad really and, and one, one of the things i liked about the ad there was no voiceover it was just all the imagery of the the guy in the rocking chair and the blazing fire and the comfort and the mm -hmm. The luxury of a home fire. Yeah, and, and that, that uh, piece of music really does make that, just brings it all together, just that the comfort of home and a real fire, you know. Yeah, I remember being out in RTE um, a couple of months after the ad came out and, and the receptionist said to me, are you the fellow that wrote that Marina was? I said, yes, so we've been, uh, we had about a hundred phone calls in the last couple of weeks, people trying really? to find out where to get the music. Wow, yeah, then, well, it, it was instant hit. Yeah, and then I, I, I had a chat with the people in Walton's music, and they said, oh, and we're not sure about a single a single tune that was part of a book. And I said, no, I think you're wrong there. There's a lot of people looking for it. So they brought it out, and they couldn't believe they had about 20,000 copies sold in a couple of months. Wow. Well, I, know, I it it just it. has one of those ones, something in it that's impossible to, to analyze, fortunately. Um, but sometimes tunes have that particular quality you can't quite tell 
or recreate the thing again, you know. It's terrific to have written something, you know, that has touched so many people that way, you know. Congratulations, it's a wonderful achievement. To Yeah, to... it's a lovely, it's a lovely feeling. It's a nice feeling of connectedness, but it means, it means something different to different people, I think, as well, you know. Yes, yeah. People conjure up their own image. A couple of songwriters uh, asked me if, if they'd maybe write, write words to it, and I said no, I think. The tune conjures up different images for different people. Just leave it like that. It's more yeah, of a magical thing about that, you know. Uh, I, I agree wholeheartedly with you on that, John. Yeah, I think it does means different things to different people. Yeah, as, yeah. as it stands alone, it's perfect. Gordon you know? Mona. Yeah. yeah, Barney used to call it the bug walls. <laughs> the bug walls used to say. You're such a droll yeah. character, Barney. You, you know, you'd, you'd miss him on, on church. Oh, yeah, I miss him. I think of Barney every yeah. day. He was, an amazing character. And so, so, so plans then, apart from this piece you're doing with Declan, is there anything else coming up? No, well, I'm, I'm kind of semi-retired. I'm, I'm, I'll be 82 now in, in May, so... And you I'm, don't I'm, look it or sound it or act it, John. We know that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm not looking for any long-term contracts, but, <laughs> but um, I'm looking forward to playing again with Michael Howard. We, we, we do concerts together. Um, yeah, maybe a couple of dozen a year, but, but no long, no long trips. But um, yeah, that that'd be the main thing I'd be looking forward to, and, and just getting out and mixing with people again. Yeah, generally we've think, been. Yeah, we're, we're all missing that. Yeah, when you were asking me about, um, yeah, I suppose a lot of people go to the the well-known sightseeing places when they go to a, a city. But uh, I ended up in Braunschweig one day in Germany. And uh, I met this fiddle maker and he invited me out to his workshop. And um, he had all these pieces of spruce and maple hundreds of years old were going to become the, the backs and bellies of, of fiddles. And um, it, was, it was quite amazing. He'd hold up one of these and he'd just tap it with his fingers. And he'd listening out for the, the response of the wood a particular sound or note Amazing. And you, you judge the piece of wood its suitability for a particular instrument and in, in, in that particular way where he was listening to the, the wood speaking to him as it were you know oh yeah fabulous and um it was in Braunschweig as I say uh, a husband and wife team both fiddle makers and bow makers but uh, I, wrote, I wrote a poem about that experience. If it's not too long, maybe. I'll... Oh, I'd, I'd, love, I'd love to hear it. And that would yeah. be privileged. Thanks, John. Yeah. Ah, there's no privilege. These are for everybody. Uh, the Fiddle Maker's Workshop. These workshop walls keep watch on banks of time, secure in planks of ancient spruce and maple, saved and seasoned for bellies and backs of future fiddles. In this peaceful place where timber talks and the master listens, the wonder of a fiddle unfolds. From the delicate spiral of the scroll to the tailpiece that bears all tension without complaint. On workbench wall and windowsill, traditional tools abound to cut, carve, shape, drill, clamp and glue a family of wood to live in harmony. When all is set and settled, Pernambuco bow and a swish of horsehair whisper down through bridge and soundpost, waking memories of birdsong in trees of an ancient forest. Oh, 
that that is beautiful. But you know the that amazing thing about yeah. that poem. It took me about three weeks to 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 learn or to to finish that poem. When I had it finished, I thought about all the waste pieces of wood that are going to be swept out the workshop door. And if they hadn't been removed, the fiddle would never have been born, as it were. So I thought I felt sorry for these bits of waste wood and sawdust and all. And I said, surely they, they must deserve a poem of their own. Yeah. And I wrote, I wrote this second poem. It's very short in about three minutes. And I think it's, it's probably more poetic than the first one. <laughs> and I, I got it sweepings of the workshop. Discarded debris of music, offcuts, shavings, sawdust, gougings that gave, gave contour to back and belly. F-hole cutouts that liberate the voice of a fiddle. Unsung heroes, martyrs who fell that angels might fly. Oh, that's, that's gorgeous. That and, nice? and, and, but you know what I took from the first poem? I nearly, I took the birds that were in the trees. I took them as kind of like their energy to the, the wood that made the, made the violins. That's right. Actually, that was another image that, that uh, the very same same, the very same image came to mind a few times of the first music that the, the wood and the, the branches of the trees experienced yeah. with the birds singing. Well, yeah, that, that, that just came to me and, I, and I'd never yeah. thought about that before. So that, that resonated yeah. with me. It's beautiful, John. So, as if they were imbuing yeah. the grain with the gift of sure. music. For my eighth grade birthday, I got a, a Dublin-made fiddle, a perry, and it's about 240 years old. And uh, yeah. it's amazing playing these instruments and thinking of the journey it must have had from over the last couple of hundred years and the, the tunes that it here. must have been played, you know, yes. it's yeah, remarkable. Yeah. Not, yeah. And, you know, I feel like nearly I can travel now just by listening to your music and reading <laughs> the poetry. <laughs> thinking of the, the, the most southerly place, with the nearest, I think it's the nearest town to the North Pole and the South Island of um, New Zealand, a place called Invercargill. Yeah, it's, uh, they, 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 that's what they, they, that's what they boast about the place. It's the, the closest town to the South Pole, really? but uh, that was that was the most southerly place we, we ever played on, on one of our New Zealand trips years years and years ago. And it's a great but, way uh, to see the world by, by traveling and taking that is and music meeting and people and, and music has that wonderful universal. It's like a universal language. It doesn't matter what country you go to. Absolutely. You yeah. know, even if they don't understand all the words, they tune into the spirit of what you're playing and singing, you know. It's, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Um, I, 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 if, I, if I may, I have a, a short poem. It's the very last poem in my book. Oh, lovely. And I think it's a nice sentiment in it because I, I think we all have a certain hankering to leave the world a slightly better place than the world we entered. And um, we all do it in different ways. Um, I call this one signature or signatures. And I think of um, an architect, his signature is a beautiful building. That's his actual signature he leaves in the world. Yeah. Um, a carver or a potter leaves it in a piece of carving on wood or stone or metal uh, and so on. But the musician does it slightly differently. And uh, th this is its signature. The ploughman leaves his trace on field and furrow. The sculptor's mark is etched in chiseled stone. With sheaves of gold, the thatcher's name is written. 
in rings of clay the potter's name is known. When day is done and evening firelight beckons, when tradesmen all are free from toil and care, I linger in the shadows with my fiddle and softly leave my signature in air. <gasps> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, thought you, you, know, might, thought you I, might like that one. I do like that one, John. And you know, I'm really curious about air and what air is and what is in the air, you know, around us. Yes, and I do, yeah. we've mentioned the creative consciousness a, comp- a couple of times in our conversation. Mm. And I do think it is out there. And whether you're grabbing, um, you know, a melody or you're picking words for a book or you're just trying to visualize something to put into a painting. You know, yeah, there is something we're so busy and caught up to, you know, looking at tangible things, 3D things in the world and the world as it is. But we, mm. we, we mustn't forget about the air. <laughs> we can't, we can't so. see the air. And isn't it the, the medium between the, the, the musician and the listener as well? The, the molecules of air in between that are vibrating at different frequencies and Absolutely. transmitting yeah. the music. Yeah, yeah actually, it... I wrote an essay about that. I must send it to you sometime for the crack. It was about a, a molecule of air writing a, a letter to the Irish Times, complaining, oh <laughs> complaining about the way molecules of air have to suffer in the name of art and music. Oh, gosh, I'd love to hear that. And, oh, that uh, is... <laughs> But when you think of these molecules, they're being subjected to widely different ranges of frequency. Denses, say, in the, in the case of a flute player, they're going down the, the narrow bore, that, this narrow, dark passage of a, of a, a wooden flute, and the, the flicker of light coming in from the fingers overhead, and then being subjected to various um, degrees of moisture in the air and dripping to the floor and drops and then being stamped to death by, <laughs> by the timekeeping feet of the musicians. <laughs> I so would on. love to. I would love to see that. Oh, it's just, a mad, oh. just a mad idea I got one day. But, but, uh, <laughs> the poor molecules of air that were they're tortured in the name of art. <laughs> oh, that's brilliant. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, John, I, I, that has been such a lovely journey today. Now, my head is full of lovely places new, from New Zealand to Norway and that. But, you know, it's, it's so much, it feels so much more accessible when, when you can uh, reach them with, with music and poetry. Ah, yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful gift. Yeah. Communication is what it's all about, really, isn't it? It is, John. In, in different yeah. forms. yeah. No, no, and we true. don't we don't need words to, to we don't need words to communicate when you have mm-hmm. music yes, as, as yeah. a gift. Well, John, listen, thank you so much for joining me today. I could talk to you for another hour, and <laughs> I, I really want we've so much to talk about. Uh, but it, I really appreciate your time and for another time a taste of your chat. lovely your lovely trips and journeys um, with the Dubliners and yourself and your family. And um, I advise them all to get to get flirting fiddles it's lovely listen to lovely easy oh to yeah thank you and, yeah. and and fiddle dreams your beautiful poetry book poetry very, book. very enjoying both of those all the way through ah, thank you yeah. <laughs> yeah. um well, I, I leave you with a funny haiku that i wrote recently insomniac sheep tossing and turning all night they're counting people <laughs> John, that is perfect. That is perfect. Note. Listen, on that, on that fabulous note, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you so much, and take care. And I wish you 
many more years of creativity and making people happy with your music and your podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Michelle. The same to you and all your writing and your travels. And thank you so your much, exploration. You're great. It's been, it's been wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, Michelle. Well, what a truly inspiring artist John Sheehan is and an absolute gentleman. I could have talked to him all day. I simply love his music and that tune you're hearing in the background is my personal favourite from his gorgeous album Flirting Fiddles. It's called Autumn in Paris. But there are so many tunes to choose from and you'll get to hear the other ones that we spoke about in the podcast. So this week I also caught up with Michelle Whelan from Mead County Council who told me about the new website discoverboynevalley.ie. She also speaks of what there is to do in the region this summer. So if you're looking for some inspiration now that we've got positive news about travelling opening up this summer, do stick around and listen to the rest of the podcast. With me today I have Michelle Whelan from Discover Boyne Valley. Thanks for joining me Michelle. Hi Michelle, yeah, delighted to be on your podcast. It's great. Uh, great. And, you know, just for, for the listeners, I mean, we all kind of presume everybody knows where the Boyne Valley is. Can you tell us exactly the area that you cover? Yeah, so it's just north of Dublin. Um, it's Meath and South Loud. So it's along the River Boyne. Um, you probably know some of the towns, Slane, Navan, Trim, Drada, Kells, um, and around kind of Dunboyne, Enfield. So that's that's the area, very historical area, really interesting place. Um, I'm sure you know parts of it very well. Um, from well, well I do, I do, of course. I do. Being an ex-art yeah. teacher, I loved bringing students up to Newgrange, which is one of the most fantastic historic sites in the world. And we are so lucky yeah. to have it in Ireland. Oh, we're so lucky. One of three UNESCO World Heritage Sites. And as my kids keep saying, it's older than the pyramids of Egypt. Yeah. So, yeah, we're, we're really proud to have it. Yeah, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And, and what else? I mean, Newgrange is obviously, you know, up there, one of the top highlights. What are other highlighted sites that you would recommend people get to see? Yeah, so I suppose very close to Newgrange, then you have the Battle of the Boyne site, which is um, you've history from the 5,000 years, then right up to like 1690 with the Battle of the Boyne site. And you have Oldbridge House and there's lovely walks around a lovely coffee shop. And say if one of our newest walks is the Boyne Valley Camino. So you could actually start in Drada. Um, I did it with a friend maybe two years ago and it's 25 kilometres. So you could do your first 25 kilometres of your Camino in the Boyne Valley and get your stamp, you know, and do your remaining oh, 75 kilometres. Sorry for interrupting. Do you mean the actual official like Santiago de Compostela Camino yeah, has, has it, a link yeah. here? Wow, Michelle. Yeah. Yeah, so you have to do 100 kilometres to do your proper Camino. You could do 25 kilometres in the Boyne Valley and then do the remaining 75 there. So, yeah, really good. So you could, you could start and draw to come out to the Battle of the Boyne, then walk as far as Old Mellifont Abbey. There's a whole route marked out for it and there's a map on our website on discoverboynevalley.ie. So really good. Yeah, that's one of the highlights, definitely. I really enjoyed it when I did it. Oh, great. And is there anything like, especially for families that you'd call a highlight? Yeah, well, I suppose everyone knows Tato Park, Ireland's only theme park. So, yeah, great fun, especially um, for the teenagers and younger because they have the zoo as well. Um, so the roller coaster is such fun. Um, 
yeah, I, I'm terrified of heights, but I did it um, when they first opened. They put me right at the very front. So lots of thrills there. <laughs> um, and now they have their Lemur um, enclosure so you can walk along with all the little animals. And then you have the, the birds of prey, which I love. Yeah, so really good fun like in Tatum Park. But there's loads of other things for families to do. Um, like if you have young children, then there's BY's Nature Trail um, and it's just near Trim, near Trim Castle. And they have a lovely uh, walking trail, you learn all about the bees and the pollinators. And just close by, as I said, Trim Castle, um, 12th century castle, and you get a tour right up to the top. Fantastic views over Trim. And Trim is a beautiful town, Michelle. You've probably been there as well. Um, sure it is. It is. And of yeah. course, anyone who's a fan of that incredible movie, uh, epic movie Braveheart, will know yeah, that a lot it. of it was filmed there. Yeah, yeah Mel Gibson, big fan of <laughs> of the of Trim Castle. Um, so yeah, it's lovely. Like there's just lovely cafes, lovely walks around the town, and then Boyne Valley activities. Um, is in the town, so you could hire kayaks and um go along the River Boyne, and he also does a historical tour, so you can learn about the history of the town and the castle from the river which is really nice that's yeah. a lovely idea I, I often whenever kayaking is available I always say yes please I, I took some little trips in the hidden heartlands um, two years ago oh, lovely, yeah. but I've done it in cities as well like in, in Spain and um, uh, in Thailand of course and different countries around the world kayaking is one of the most relaxing things you can do and it's a wonderful so family relaxing. activity isn't great it great family yeah being on the water one. We've another one over um, beside the Battle of Boyne that I mentioned. It's Boyne Boats, and he does a trip on um, a naval curragh, which is really nice for families too. And he talks about the myths and legends. It's um, really good. And he, he hires his boats to the Game of Thrones. So he tells you all the stories from the Game of Thrones. So that's oh, really fabulous. good fun too. Yeah. And of, co of course, people might overlook the fact that you also have a beach. In Boyne Valley, yes. yes, you have right. how, many, how many miles of strand have you? Oh my god, I actually don't know, but <laughs> so it stretches right up into Loud. So it's you go, you have Laytown, Betty's Town, Mornington, right up um, into Clara Head and close to the Glide Inn as well. It's a lovely restaurant up there, so you can have lovely food and sit out and look at the sea. So, really nice, yeah. No, we are spoiled. It is a gorgeous region. And is there anything new that is um, that has been stalled over the last year, or anything that, that had just opened before, um, before the the first lockdown? That um, you know, yeah. Well, we just last about. week, um, or, or just recently, we launched the Royal Canal Greenway. So oh, that's yes. really, oh, I said that on the yeah, news. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's 130 kilometers and it passes through County Meath, uh, through Enfield, Longwood and the Hill of Down. So that's a really nice one for families, couples, anybody really. Uh, just hire a bike or bring your own bikes and take a lovely cycle. And it's a lovely, gentle cycle, you know, so you can cover a lot of ground very quickly. Yeah, and, and people are really getting out and enjoying the great outdoors. And it's, uh, it's are, lovely yeah. that, you know, you've got 
great accessibility then with bikes and walks. That, that's yeah. excellent. And you do have a new website, don't you? Um, that I, yeah, I found. we do, discoverbornvalley.ie. And yeah, if you go onto that and you'll find lots of really good itineraries. We've itineraries on the outdoors, as you said, like everyone wants to get out and do a bit of walking. Um, we've itineraries on family fun, on wellness, um, on food. Oh. We've great food in the Boyle Oh, Valley. yes. So, oh, tell, tell me about the food producers and, and, and give me an example of some stuff to do on the food itinerary. Yeah, we can, we've lots of really good stuff. So say, for example, around Slane, we've the Slane Food Circle. So um, you could start at Rock Farm Slane. They have an organic farm and they do they will be doing their farmer's market uh, when things open up every Thursday. Um, and then you also have New Grange Oil, which is very close. Um, and you could do a tour of Boyne Valley Farmhouse Cheese and also of Cockagee Cider. So you could fit all that into one day, which is great. Um, cider. Also, oh, I, lo- I love the yeah. idea of, of organic, you know, um, homegrown cider like that. That sounds great. Yeah, lovely. Oh. Like mm-hmm. actually a lot of uh, drinks uh, around the area, crafts drinks. So Listoke Gin School is the first gin school in Ireland, which is really good fun. If you have a group of friends, definitely recommend it. And well, I, and you- I even know in my own yacht club here in Hoth, they make their own gin, but they make it in Listoke, I believe. They go up there and they have their ingredients they use. So That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you pick your own botanicals and make it and bring home your own battle it's really good mm-hmm. yeah so yeah and then Slane Distillery is really interesting like they've a really beautiful tour they've just restored all the buildings and it's right next door to Slane Castle and part of Rock Farm as well so and actually you can hire electric bikes and cycle all around the estate so oh, lots wow, of that, fun stuff to that do, takes yeah. the pain out of traveling when you have an electric bike really yeah, does. yeah. yeah. and what about with um with with uh i said we said food um what about with children you know for itineraries there is a lot going on isn't there for families there's a lot you've got cozy farm they're doing their ice cream adventure this summer um yeah so it's all based on um a dairy farm and you can go along see all the little animals eat ice cream what's not to love about ice cream (laughs) um so blow bubbles and play games and puzzles and yeah it's it's all out in the fresh fresh air out in the outdoors so yeah that'll be that'll be really good fun oh that that's great for the little ones yeah Um, really good for little ones yeah yeah Um, and i think you also have glamping don't you um I know that Rock Farm, uh, when I was Rock Farm does to... glamping yeah, and yeah. Lockroom Megalithic Centre over near the Old Castle, they both do glamping. So, yeah, that's a really good, fun thing to do. Something a bit different. And yeah. Um, and then while you're over at Lockroom, you can um, have a look at the Lockroom Cairns as well. And there's Lockroom Gardens, which is close by and they do a fairy trail. So that's really good for the little ones as well, like just and even multi-generational. You want to bring the grandparents and, you know, just they give you the clues and you have to solve the puzzle and go around and find the fairies and all that. <laughs> right. Well, that's a, that's a lovely idea. That, that that That's absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Um, there, it sounds like there's an awful lot to do, but it, you've made it easy for people when they can just go on your website then and see the itineraries. So I think that's, yeah, that's really right. good. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just have a look at that and it yeah it makes it a lot easier to kind of plan out your holiday and you can yeah. stay in one of the nice towns locally like slim slain trim cows 
Drawdown Avenue I was mentioning. So, you know, yeah. there, there's loads to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because, um, you know, Ireland's ancient East, I think, was is a great idea. It, it, it kind of makes it clear for everybody that th- this is an area steeped in heritage and history along the east coast of Ireland, running all the way down to Waterford, you know, and all the way up to uh, Monaghan. So I think it's great that, you know, you've really pinpointed your area perfectly and I'm, I'm not going to stop without saying you also have got fabulous um monaster boys which is a wonderful area with round tower and high crosses as well don't that's you? right monaster voice is lovely and there's guides there during the summer so you can get a, a, a guided tour of the high crosses there's finest high crosses in ireland there so yeah like you said michelle really good on history and heritage like Bruna Bonia now has their new uh, visitor exhibition. So I'm just dying to go back up and see it. It just uh, closed or it just opened. It launched just before the lockdown. So um, it's really amazing. It's really, really modern, you know. So and then you can go over and see Newgrange after seeing the exhibition. So, yeah, there's going to be lots to see and do. Um, this summer when we can when we can go travel through around different counties. Michelle, you're giving me food for thought. I really want to, to escape up there now. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, um, you do give away a terrific prize on the Elaine show. Uh, so I'll get any listeners to just look up the Instagram page for the Elaine show. This, um, this week we were chatting about it and check tomorrow's um, Irish Daily Mail because there'll be more about and uh about the Discover Boyne Valley website and what people can do. Thanks so much for your time, Michelle. It's great chatting with you. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Well, I've been teaching art for decades and the magnificence of our megalithic monuments at Newgrange never ceased to amaze me. But as Michelle explained, there's much to see and do in the Boyne Valley region, especially for families. I'll definitely be taking a trip up there as soon as hospitality opens. But in the meantime, I'll be checking out their new website, discoverboyandvalley.ie. So I'm playing out now with another gorgeous song from John Sheehan's album Flirting Fiddles. This is Farewell to Harstad, and it certainly whisks me away to the beauty of Norway. If you're looking for travel inspiration, you can check out my website, thenoveltraveller.com, And you can read my ramblings in my weekly column in the Irish Daily Mail. You'll find it on the travel pages. So I have a very special surprise for next week, being the last episode in the current series. A novel is the operative word, so be sure to tune in. But until then, ciao for now and enjoy the rest of John Sheehan's Farewell to Harstadt.